Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited, um, a little bit overwhelmed, a little curious, and um, really happy to be here today with my guest, Miss Kim Haxton. How are you, Kim? I'm doing, the sun is shining through the trees on me. I'm doing well, thank you. you you're, you're yeah. naturally lit in sunlight. You're out on the coast. You're on uh, Galliano Island. I'm a bit jealous. I'm sitting in Calgary, although I have a nice view out my window and it's beautiful <laughs> and sunny. I'm not sitting in the middle of nature like you are. So I think that's going to set the tone. Like, What an amazing backdrop or, or uh, setting to, to have a good conversation in. Mm. So thanks for making the time. And don't you also love technology? That you can literally be out in the most beautiful place you could probably be right now in Canada. And we're doing a podcast. That's amazing. It's incredible. It's incredible. How do we ba- how do we balance balance it all? So Kim, I'm not even going to pretend to delve mm-hmm. into telling a little bit of you, who you are and the amazing work you do. So I'm going to turn it over to you. And like I said to you before I push record, I've been reading some of your stuff, and you and I met maybe a couple months ago through a mutual friend, mm-hmm. Kevin Crow, who I've had on the show many times. Most of my most of my audience knows Kevin. That you guys grew up together, and somehow we got introduced. But what is it that you do in the world? And however you like to describe it, please go ahead whatever's necessary and no more because there's a lot of things that need doing and 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 i say that you you know i say that in jest but i i have a i'm fortunate and privileged enough to i work for myself and so i do all sorts of work from community indigenous community leadership to uh i do corporate work around reconciliation and decolonizing and I do ceremonial work with plant medicines and I do what else do I do and um <laughs> yeah wherever I find myself and and the right now I'm working on completing a film project with a group of Coast Salish women who've just who figured out one woman figured out her family tree and found all family members spread out among the coast whose origins come from this island so, so I, the healing and the journey, the he- just, it's we, amazing. We could have, we could have a talk just about that yeah. alone and without, that yeah. would be a good point. I think there's going to be a lot of, we could talk about that <laughs> this conversation for sure. Absolutely. So buckle mm-hmm. up, uh, pour your tea, your coffee or whatever it is you like to enjoy while you sit back and listen to a good conversation. Cause I'm going to be bold and say that it's going to be, that it already is. Um, decolonization. I'm going to, there's so everything you said, I want to pick apart, but that's one word that when I hear it, I'm like, Hmm. Do I know what that means? Am I comfortable with what that means if I was to explain it or to understand it even from my own point of view? So I'm curious. Maybe that's a weird place to start, but I would love to just, I don't love to leave anything unknown. And for me, that was my biggest, hmm, I don't know what that means to me. So if you could indulge me, share a little bit when you say decolonization and the work you do around that. Let's let's tell us a little bit about that work and maybe help my audience understand maybe for them what that actually means. I think it's about bringing consciousness to the uh sort of to the some of the stories that we hold that continue a sort of ongoing oppression in our world and when i think of that i'm looking at climate change i'm looking at inequities i'm looking at you know sort of all of the things that are are challenges in the world and so decolonization you know on one hand is understanding colonization you know and and what that meant and historically, we can go all the way back to the story of Adam and Eve and, and that story of being kicked out of the Garden of Eden as one worldview. And then we have another worldview that is, uh, we didn't get kicked out of the Garden of Eden, you know? And so the stories that stemmed from that place of, in a Judeo-Christian sort of sense, what that looks like, as opposed to 
um, other cultures or possibilities. I really like the concept of, we, we, we unite around shared stories, but those shared stories are just the ones we happen to get exposed to or the ones that we, we hung on to. doesn't mean there isn't other stories. So through your work, is that often part of just giving people other alternatives or other stories to potentially go, huh, maybe there was another way to look at that situation. And oftentimes it's amazing what can come when you go, huh, that, that never even occurred to me, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yeah, right. And so there's, 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 I mean, that's a whole thing. And so decolonization is like sort of looking at the things that, you know, we live in a culture of make-believe. Derek Jensen uh, wrote a book called that, but it's, I think there's an important piece in that one is understanding that we, um, you know, that looks at the history, the, the future depends on the literacy of the past. And so when we look mm -hmm. at history, when we look at the sort of the formation of like, let's say North America as one example of many on a global level, um, it's a story of genocide and slavery. And, you know, we know that on one level, but we don't understand how it still plays out in our, in our daily life right now. And I think that's really important. Um, hmm. I think we are in a place where, uh, we live in a place where we participate in modern day slavery, you know? And so not that I want to put a Debbie Downer on this whole podcast, but like, it's really sort of understanding that we live in a place of chaos, you know, with climate change, with all these different things happening. And it's sort of around understanding how we, how can we shift sort of the place that we are heading into, into a place of consciousness and a place of connection. Is there a mindset, and of course I have a lot of different conversations with people that work in the spiritual realm and the healing around connection to spirit versus completely being disconnected. Are we also, is it, does it just, it feels like there's more of an awareness. It feels like I'm having more conversations that I can't go to a dinner party that someone doesn't bring up plant medicine or doesn't bring up shamanism or doesn't bring up something. And maybe it's also the places I'm going, which I recognize cognitive biases and, you know, mm -hmm. under thinking you're hearing about it all the time, but it's just because it's who you're with. But are we also reaching maybe a critical point where that energy is starting to build in, in that direction? It, it feels that way in certainly the circles and people that bring it up that I know wouldn't maybe have expected to. And that's just my own stereotypes coming through. Yeah, I think, you know, there's an interesting thing sort of watching the, the wave around psychedelics and plant consciousness. And, mm. and I remember a long time ago, I was in a ceremony, um, like a Weechul ceremony um, where we danced from dusk till dawn. It was amazing, mm. beautiful. And as we were dancing, I remember looking across the fire or into the fire and having this understanding that, you know, plants don't have an ego, right? And mm -hmm. I remember at that moment really understanding the, the, the disconnection. I mean, my disconnection, when I say disconnection, it's like I just have to go off on a little bit of a tangent here because I think it's really important, um, is really understanding that we, when I, we don't know how to listen as a society, not only to each other, but to ourselves you know, and, and we do therapy, we do all these sort of things, we, uh, you know, just to connect. And, and I, I wonder about that connection on, a, on lots of levels. So back to the ceremony, I, as I was dancing and I looked at the fire, I understood that plants don't have an ego. You know, plants are connected. Plants come from the universe. And when I say that, there's a, I'm going to go down a bit of a rabbit hole, but I think it's really Let's important. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, is I think when I was in my 20s, you know, I finished university and 
and uh, I was over in Southeast Asia and I met um, a Penan man named uh, Muteng who lives here in Canada as a as a political refugee and he had um, the scientists and anthropologists and ethnobotanists had interviewed his father about um, what was it about it was about how do you know all these plants go together uh, was the question and you know you don't know science was the implication of, of that and he looked at the scientists and he said well, if the notes harmonize, you're going to make a medicine. If they don't harmonize, you're going to make a poison. And I remember in my early 20s, I was like, what the, you know, it was not part of <laughs> anything I could relate to. And, but I was really curious because I'm like, what do you mean the plants singing? You know, and I can see when my plants are like thirsty because they're kind of wrinkly and, you know, <laughs> calling out in, in a way that I feel that they're calling out. But, you know, that's my own projection on them. But as sort of my story unfolded and as I started meeting sort of traditional plant medicine people that were the real thing in different cultures around the world, I was just like, wait a second, because I'd come back to Canada specifically in, you know, mainstream world. And I was like, wow, this doesn't relate to anything that I've been grown up with. So when I talk about decolonization, this is part of my own internal sort of story with that. And um, and so uh, but 11 years ago, uh, I'm skipping out a piece, but. 11 years ago, I was working with a, a man named Jose Luis from the, uh, the Ornacon Basin in southern Venezuela. He's Payare, um, indigenous person. And, and I was, he was showing me how to make some medicines. And he said, I, he said to me, he goes, uh, I, I asked him, you know, how do you know how these plants go together? Like this is, we're making a recipe here. And he smiled and he said, can't you hear the music that they sing? And it was like a huge holy shift moment for me because it was like in two different parts of the world, I was able to hear what uh, the same message, you know, and they don't have Internet. They don't have there's no way they have any sort of connection outside of their own, you know, their, their own little world and worlds and communities. And and that sort of really struck to me with me. Uh, around the plants and the path and and the plant medicines really not having an ego. There's a Lakota teaching that goes, uh, that was taught by Patricia McCabe, who uh, she said when they fast, uh, the earth represents the, the feminine and the morning star uh, or the planet of Venus represents the masculine, which is interesting because that goes against Western sort of, you know, mm -hmm. uh, thinking in that way. But the the male, the morning star, transmits all the intelligence from the universe to the mother, and the mother responds by growing all this luscious plants and all of this, like the way that she does from the universe. And I remember hearing that story um, and going back to, I don't know, 20 years ago, 20, yeah, about 20 years ago when, you know, I heard that the, you know, I saw that through the fire. You know, and, and that doesn't make sense for most people, but I'm just like, wow, like I have the privilege, and I say privilege of being indigenous and being around ceremonies and traditional culture in that way. And it's really made me understand this, this sort of the, the chaos that we live in because we don't live in a society that submits to the sacred. And, hmm. and that's been a big influence. I mean, and I'm learning, right? You know, I grew up in Southern Ontario. I, 
you know, not, I also, I have to say, I'm also adopted. I'm part of the 60s scoop. And so it's been a long time returning home in my journey, so to speak, with, with culture and connection. I appreciate understanding a little bit of your journey, of the journey back getting to it. When you talk about how so much of our ancestry or so much of our history, you know, the understanding of the future depends on the history of the past. How was it we felt we fell so out of sync with that, like, you know, decolonization back to colonization? And if we rooted in this understanding and we all grew up in a tribal, we all grew up, you know, depending on what you want to believe in. But we got so far away from it and, and we are coming back to it, even your own coming back to it from your journey of being a youth till now. And I like what you said. Hey, I'm on the journey. This is just the moment of time that I'm in right now as we talk. Right. <laughs> How did we get so out of sync with something that we're now? There's always this getting back to. I'm curious, and I haven't done enough of my own research, you know, as colonization and as we spread across the world and industrialized and did all the things we do to create the world we live in, how did we, how did we get so out of touch? And, or what's your philosophy or thoughts on that? Because knowing how well, we lost it can also help bring us, find us a, maybe a path back. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting because there's a whole bunch of stuff around psychedelics and religion that I think is pretty... An, Another thing uh, the for you stone, to look at. The stone ape theory is very interesting theory. Right? <laughs> like, you, you know? like, maybe it all came from there in the first place. Because <laughs> how else right? would you explain right? these you visions know? as you eat the mushrooms right? that were in the dung of the animals that you were following across the plains? Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, but but I, I think it's that original story of sort of there's a man and a woman named Adam and Eve who got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And the whole philosophy is man has domination over the earth, which is like, I mean, it's so ridiculous because that domination we're seeing. <laughs> it is. Even to hear you, you say know, it makes me laugh. <laughs> right? You know, we're seeing it right now, you know. We're seeing it right now in our domination of like, no, we need to do more extraction even though we can't. People are dying of cancer even though people are, and it goes on and on and on. And we're killing the mm -hmm. planet, you know. And so there's that whole, it's it's embedded in most of sort of Western culture and and. So I think about that, I think about our connection to being able to hear the plants sing just on that story alone, let alone, you know, you look at the history of, um, of the, I say the church, and that's a broad, you know, a broad sweeping statement I'm making, the church in regards to, you know, the papal bulls of the 1400s that said, basically, anybody who's not Christian can be a slave. Hey, that worked. Anybody who's not Christian, we're going to take your land, you know, and they, and in, and in Europe in particular, the amount of oppression and lots of sort of, I mean, you look at the history of Europe it's and how what they did to themselves. I'm just like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very, <laughs> then, it's a very nasty came story. Over here, wait a second. Wait a second, you know? And and so that whole sort of sense of, I don't know, even know if it's moral su superiority, but it came, you know, sort of in the writings of the church to sort of hmm. North America, the doctrine of discovery, you know, um, I, I joke, a uh, grand theft, terra nullius right you know there was no there was nobody there <laughs> yes, so the, we took it right you, you know the that doctor, whole, the doctrine and, of discovery looks a lot like the doctrine of conquest yeah <laughs> exactly exactly right and and so you look at these stories that have been embedded in the culture of well this is just what we do you know hmm. and and so it's been a really interesting sort of sort of awakening as i start looking at it and then i look around and i'm like this is hilarious like i mean not to pick on any television shows or you know, creative things, but I look at, you know, housewives of whatever, or these things where I'm just like, is this for real? Like, why are we, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like, this is not teaching. But, you know, then we look at the media that informs, you know, informs us, 
you know, there's there's a blessing and a curse in that. You know, I think of the kids that have access. They're so much more awake than we were from our generation because of what they have access to on the, mm -hmm. their fingertips. Like and at the same time, you know, that access is also part of the anxiety and hopelessness. And, you know, you look at mm -hmm. the amount of sort of labels we have with children of ADHD or, you know, hype, or, I don't know, sensitivity, some, like all of these different things that I'm just like, no wonder they have that, you know? And I, and I look at it, and so the original teachings, and it's funny, last week I was in uh, doing a three-day strategic planning uh, for a foundation, and we were at Kwantlen, and we opened with ceremony in their longhouse for, you know, half a day. We, we just were like, let's set this whole strategic planning in the right way, culturally. Hmm. And it was really, really beautiful. Um, but when I look at... And you're going to have to bring me back for a second because I just looked up and saw a hummingbird and I'm like, ooh, hummingbird. <laughs> That's the problem. Oh, I, th I think it's about how we're connected and how we're disconnected, right? And so when we're looking at the history, it's just embedded in um, how we behave with each other, of othering people. You know, when we look at, mm, I don't want to get other, into the other, whole. Yeah, other versus all being part of the same self. Yeah, right, exactly. And so, yes. so. I'm hearing it's kind of whitewashed in regards, like, we're all one, you know? And I'm like, well, actually, when we look at power and violence the, and who the violence is perpetuated on the bodies, which is generally black, indigenous people, not that it's not perpetuated on white kids as well. No, but, but, the, but there are, statistically, there are certainly trends you can't ex ex Exactly. Yes, 100%. You, know, mm. you know, as we start connecting the dots, it's like, hang on a second, you know? And as a person, uh, as, you know, I'm Potawatomi, I'm an indigenous woman, I understand it, you know, because, you know, the, the thing that people don't understand, you know, privilege is a place where, like, the fish doesn't understand that it's breathing water. It's just breathing water. But from outside, we can look at the fish and be like, you're breathing water, you know? And it's yes. kind of, that's a privilege thing, you know, of, of they, you just don't know yet, you have it. And so I look at all these things combined. And, and so it brings me back to the story, you know, when we're looking at it, of like in first contact when the, you know, the, the after Columbus came to uh, the Americas. And then I think in the first 40 years, I couldn't find the exact quote, but the, the Catholic Church um, uh, started um, banning all use of ceremonial practices. And so uh, mm -hmm. anything that they saw and their first contact was in the Tayano. They saw as, as a threat to their model. <laughs> right, because it's like you didn't have to go to a priest to connect to God. You could eat plant medicine and be connected to God. But there was you could go for a walk. You could go for a walk in the woods, right? That's right, exactly. And you couldn't. There wasn't even a, an understanding of that because it was so embedded that you have to do it this way. This sort of pyramid scheme, so to speak. You know, and right. <laughs> that was a fantastic you know? way to refer to it. Right, promise. you know, yeah. Well, totally. And right? we're securing and, you at a higher level by the amount of people you have under you, hundred percent. Exactly, oh right. You know, you know. <laughs> And so that whole philosophy, right, when we look at it, when we look at, you know, uh, uh, well, I'll just finish this one last thought around that is like, you know, when the, when the first, uh, the, the Jesuit priests, there's writings of them watching the Tayano people, what they thought was ingesting um, uh, tobacco, but they were ingesting a plant medicine called Yopo, which has 5-MeO-DMT in it. And the, the um, they couldn't understand right they couldn't understand that uh what they were doing was communion ceremonially you know with hmm. the intelligence of the universe not god or anything like that the intelligence of the universe 
And so there was a real sort of like a power over that's wrong, we're right because we're dominating and that whole sort of, and we, we, we can look at that into the layout of our societies, right? right? There's another thing that I thought was really important it was a fourth century Jewish scholar named Mamamides talks about, eight, I think, seven or eight levels of generosity or charity. And I started looking at that and I was like, that's holy smokes. And, and on the one end of the spectrum, the giver gives belligerently and the receiver's like, thank you so much. And it's a spectrum that goes all the way over where the giver gives without knowing where it's going and the receiver receives without knowing where it comes from. And the, like a real gifting sort of society. And i like, do we even have that? And I'm like, well, a raspberry bush is like you're walking along a trail and, oh, there's raspberries. And you pop one in your mouth and yum. And it's not really that you're, the raspberry's like, oh, this is for Tyler, you know, or this is for Kim. It's like, and I it's feel just, good, and I feel somehow validated because he got it from me. Like that's a whole tricky exactly, balance there, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's yeah, none of that, absolutely. Yeah, you, you know. And so then I started looking at our society, and most of our society, Western society, is sort of on the spectrum of around. Well, you can have this money if you do this. You know, when I look yeah, at this, always sort of strings attached, strings attached, right? Yeah. It, you know, and and I worked over in. Um, uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo and I saw the effects of NGOs and I think there's an important thing that we do give back but there, there's a way that we do it that is creates dependency and there's a way that we've been doing it you know and I, and I look at sort of back to the spectrum on the other end I started looking at like different indigenous cultures and practices you know and like for example on the west coast they have the potlatch system which is like your status isn't about how much you have, it's about how much you take care of your community. Hmm. So in the potlatches and the sort of ways, like the food that you fed the people and the amount of things that you gave your community, the sort of act of, not, and it sounds weird, but there's a level of reciprocity, a level of a society that takes care of one another. You know, that I'm like, well, that's really interesting because when you look at the spectrums of sort of Western sort of capitalist society, it's not like that. No, we right. always give with criteria. So curious, I know you work with organizations. You mentioned working with a not-for-profit. I know you work for for-profit organizations. Are you starting to see in your own work and your or, your own journey more demand or more pull for organizations? And I, I'm referring to large organizations specifically because often for them, yeah. making change is very challenging. There might be a group of people that are like, we should do this, but then the, the, the governance or the, the history of the organization kind of crushes the change sometimes inside of itself. Are you seeing yeah. more of a demand or more of a pull or more of a seeking to understand? Or is it we have a strategic objective to be more connected to the community or have better indigenous relations, so therefore we will do, do this program? Curious what you're running into versus, I guess, what you're seeing and authentic, authenticity versus box checking maybe around, around culture and purpose? Mm -hmm. There's both, you know? Okay. And there's a lot of box checking like, okay, we did a course on reconciliation please don't make my staff cry, you know? And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, it doesn't quite work like that, and, you know? And, and But we're seeing people sort of come into consciousness. And it's really about our, I'm going to say our children, because what our children are learning at school, they're going home and holding tasks to our parents, right? You know, mm -hmm. in our generation, right, I think there was like before, I'm, don't, there wasn't recycling. And then, you know, some hippie freaks, I love this saying, hippie freaks made it hippie chic. You know, and and that's very and, true. Yes, right. I was, you when know, you and I, I were younger, to right? now has gone through that cycle fairly quickly, actually. Right, and and so now, of course, we recycle, relatively speaking, and um, and I think that's a really important piece because 
we don't, um, there's a couple things on it. We don't, I don't know. I, I think there's a piece that our kids are learning so much more than what we even had access to, you know, and are holding us accountable because the kids are like, that's not right. You know, that's not okay. And, you know, we're seeing like, for example, and this is a terrible example, but you know, like what's been happening in the United States with guns and all of that sort of stuff, which is like horrific, you know, as a kid to see something like that. And I, um, I see that and I'm just like, wow, we, these kids are watching this, you know, these children are, you know, have access to all sorts of things that, you know, I can't even imagine. You know, and our time is our time is right. You know, we're still doing work around racism. I'm like, this is so silly that we're still having to do this. Hmm. You know, so really, I, I I like what are the roots of the the disconnection? You know, so as I've been you know stumbling along my path because I really I say it, it's more like this. I don't. It's not really a choice. It's just you know this is where I'm at. You know, I'm like, man, I should have. I should have, but I'm like, no, no, this uh, be is really careful. Cool. Be careful with the shoulds. Don't should all over yourself, as they say. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's great. You know, and, and, and so, but I look at organizations that are like, you know, there's people that are coming into places of power and influence that are like, this isn't right. Hmm. You know, so, yeah. you know, I've worked with a couple of national organizations and I'm like, well, I don't know if this is worth my energy going into it, but the people that are in the positions of power you know, shift, uh, awareness is sneaky, right? And so how do we shift? <laughs> I love that. Right? So right? <laughs> it is. You know, it's very and, and slowly, so, and then all of a sudden you're aware of something and you don't even realize how, that you be, how you became aware of it. Exactly. <laughs> kind of right? a consciously aware, consciously competent perspective. Exactly, right? So so I'm I'm like, okay, what is this shift that we're, that we're in right now? Like, what's the most important thing is where, you know, like we've got these people that are like hurting our planet that are, building spaceships which i think that we're you know the next frontier but i'm like wait a sec we're not even taking care of this one <laughs> we don't need to go somewhere else and do you know whatever we're going to do and it's not that we're not going to i know what do you mean, that but we sometimes you need to take care of your own well if you look at you know the, the migration from europe to north america and like well this is kind of messed up so let's go find somewhere else to make it better but then we can't resist making it like what we already had or to a certain extent exactly. right? carrying our exactly. same baggage, baggage with us. Exactly. So I, I do appreciate so, what you said about like as generations move and I was, I had a, uh, an executive speaker the other day in a group that I'm in and he was all talking about demographics and he's like, you know, the, the, the generations that are in power now that are holding on to kind of old ideals are being replaced by, by newer generations. And now it used to be, you always learned from people older than you, but like you just said, there's a youth movement that are becoming so much more aware. And I love the recycling. It, the pressure is going up, not down. Like it's moving around in yeah. a different way because of access to information. But those people are now moving into positions of leadership and organizations and going, yeah, that was the way you did it. We're going to do it differently. And I think yeah. we're starting to see some of that happen because it can't not happen. It's just the reality. <laughs> we can hold on okay. as tightly as we want. <laughs> yeah. we, all, we all age exactly. in life and life goes on, right? And we, and we soon will cease to exist. <laughs> Exactly. In, in our current exactly. form, in our current form, I yeah, will yeah. say with, I will yeah, say yeah, with yeah. an asterisk. <laughs> you know, you know, and, and, and it's funny, it's not funny. So weaving that all the way back to plant medicines mm -hmm. is that, you know, there's a movement, like a, a psychedelic movement. I say there's psychedelic renaissance, but I'm like, 
80% of psychedelic plants come from the Americas, right? 80%. I didn't know that. That's and, okay. That's because sometimes yeah. when you, it's easy to start to think about it on this global ancestral stage and not maybe for me, put that into that context. That's interesting statistic. Right. Yeah. Hmm. And I think about that. I mean, it's not that they're not there. Of course there's other, there's medicines that are in different places, but the, the, uh, the variety that exists here are, are especially down south, more so down south than here. Mm -hmm. There's medicines here, um, for sure. And and so when I look at that, I look at this sort of, you know, again, I'm seeing the same sort of impact of of uh, in the psychedelic realm. And I think the medicines are good in different ways. Like if ketamine is going to help people stop being suicidal, then heck yeah, that's great. I was you know? chatting with a practitioner the other day and she, we got into the, you know, spirit versus, you know, like maybe where, you know, 5-MeO might be more spirit and because ketamine is from a medical space. And she said, Tyler, the people I've seen it help, I'm not even willing to have that conversation because I'm about helping people and you can't rule that out once you've seen it. I really appreciated her kind of perspective on that. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and so I think it's a step, right? It's a step in the right direction, whatever it takes, you know, this is kind yes. of the added at, at this point, like any, the, any move in or in the quote unquote right direction is a exactly, good in my mind exactly. Well. Right. And, and so that's the piece where I'm just like, and so people are having going from beyond using drugs or, you know, the sort of things that we have around it. And when we even think of that, like the, the things, oh, it's drugs, it's this, it's that, you know, um, hmm. really we got to decolonize that because actually it's about healing. Right. And, and for anyone and who's been down that road, I, I've been having this conversation recently. We all, we mm -hmm. all, many of us grew up in a world of recreational drugs and, and drugs mm -hmm. all, you know, I asked my dad, pot and cocaine are the same because they're all drugs and they're all bad. Exactly. That, that's what he grew up in. hundred <laughs> percent. That's how I grew up. It was all evil. Yeah. And that's the way it yep. was. So even when you start, yep. you're 17, 18 and you start going down, you're doing something terrible because that's the stigma. But now when I've been exposed to the plant, plant medicine and refer to it very specifically that way, whether it's a boga or 5-MeO-DMT and- People are like, oh, you know, could you get addicted? Or I'm like, you're not even like, you're having the wrong conversation about the thing. You're using that other paradigm of all drugs are bad, quote unquote. And then all of a sudden realizing that this is a whole world of healing and a journey and you don't do this at a party. But it's funny because that's a, that's the first like, 5-MeO at a party. That'd be the last thing I would want to do personally in a room with a shaman in a very controlled environment. But you're, that stigma of, oh, it's drugs. That's a really tough one. And for a lot of people, even though they, I feel, have this hunger, or they, they know something's not where they need it to be in their own life. It's still so scary because of that paradigm that's been created. <laughs> exactly. Right. And there's an example of something that we believe, you know, we believe in the lies, right? <laughs> yes. Right. Because you believe in it doesn't mean it's, it's, it should, it's actually. Believable. Exactly. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You know, you know, and again, like, it's just like, well, this is what the law is. And I'm like, well, you know, I love, I have a friend, Sequoia Trueblood, um, he's in Calgary and uh, he's Choctaw elder. And remember him saying he's, he's from like Oklahoma and with this thick accent, Kim, there's two types of law. He goes, there's, there's, well, there's man-made law and there's natural law. Well, there's really only one type of law and it's <laughs> spiritual law. You know what I'm like? I beautiful, love that. Right? I, I love that. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and it's kind of well funny. back it's to funny. control back to, you know, a lot of right. the root of so many quote unquote religions, or let's just call them stories that we've been forced to buy into or been bought into so yeah. much of it has mechanisms of control and 
to your point of like, I can take this plant medicine and communicate directly with spirit, or I must go through this individual so that they can then control the way the whole community functions. Like it's hard not to see it exactly as I think it is. And again, I have my own biases, which I'm sharing right now. Like, like spirituality is one thing. Religion is a whole nother thing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, absolutely. Uh, and, it, and so some of it did get us to where we are and, and I don't want to rule it out as all bad. And, you know, I think, I think it was Yuval Harai in his book, um, Sapiens, where he talks about, you know, colonization and imperialism and some of those things. He goes, yeah, there was a lot of negatives from it, but it did get us here, but let's not forget that we can change, right? That there are maybe things we can now leave behind Well, because it's hard to know. deny the fact that it got us to where we are. We can't change it, but we need to learn from it and maybe write a new narrative. Well, and that's it, right? You know, that's it. Like, what's the narrative we want to create? What do we, what do we want? It's funny. Uh, what do we want to see in seven generations from now? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. You, you know, you know, and that's a question I ask when I'm working in community because a lot of communities, you know, looked at the future. You know, the stewardship of land and resources was about seven generations from now. And we are so short-sighted. You know, in the in the culture, you know, our our uh, capitalist, fast, uh, fast moving economy. I, I don't even know what the word, and and it's not that I'm, economy is okay. Like I, we all need, you know, this energy to move around and stuff. But it's really in a place where, on where, there's no clean drinking water. You know. If somebody's lived in a place for 14,000, 15,000 years and, you know, there's not clean drinking water <laughs> or, there, you know, there's minerals from the mine running into the killing everything around it. You know, you it, you got to question what kind of civilization we're living in. Yeah. Well, right? well, certainly what we're creating, because you're right, if you go seven generations out, if you go one generation out now, it, it, it can look pretty dark pretty quick. Yeah, we can't even think that far. Ahead, no, right? because if you go back, because the, what we're living in today, we started living. We started six generations ago. Like you're exactly. always living in the, in what is going to be the future, but you're all, you're always living in somebody's future. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's that, that's so. When you with your work with Indigenous and, and certainly recently, and I want I want to say this very carefully, there's a lot more focus being placed on it, which I think is fantastic. Over the last couple of years, it feels like okay. We're starting to maybe start to have conversations that that, like you said, when you're when you're when you live in privilege, you don't know that you're breathing water. It's just you're breathing water, because <laughs> um, mm -hmm. it's it's the world you live in, and it seems like that conversation is coming up more and more. And from yourself, from community to individual to uh, organizations, is that a thread that you're seeing kind of move through? Is that awareness, that curiosity to go, hey, maybe I don't know what I don't even what I what I don't even know? Like, is so much of what you do. Sounds like it's experiential, but it's always rooted in that in that education. Is there more of an appetite for that education, even in the last couple of years? Oh yeah. Okay, That's, I'm, I, that was my thought, but I want to just get it from your perspective. Yeah, yeah, no, completely. I, like I'm like, oh, can I? It's so I'm this week of being on this island. I'm like, thank goodness for a break, <laughs> right? Because people are like, hang on a second, why am I taking antidepressants all the time? Why am I having to take this so that I can eat? you know, my food because my, I can't stomach or digest these things, right? I can't stomach, I can't stomach it. There's a lot to be said in that little statement right there alone. I can't right? stomach it, quote unquote. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you, you, you know, and so people are disconnected in ways because, or, uh, and we don't even realize that disconnection. Well, because it shows you know? up in a whole bunch of other symptoms, right? <laughs> oh, completely. And it's all connected. That's the thing. 
you know, I, I describe it like this. There's if we would have a radio in the middle of us and we would have the radio on CBC, we could listen to it. And if I were to take that radio out of our our room, uh, those radio waves are still going through here. There's two channels. There's AM and FM <laughs> against me radio and for me radio. <laughs> Right. I didn't know where you got me. I didn't know where you're going with that one. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so there's a thing around that, that I just, I'm like, think of the things in your own personal realm. Think of the things within your family that we're dealing with. You know, we've just gone through this pandemic. We're still in this pandemic. We're still, we're still in, in, you know, yeah, the opioid crisis, all of these things, you know, that are, and climate change, climate change, war, blah, blah. You know, we're hearing all of these things, whether they're, in our personal sphere or a global sphere that is just like, it's overwhelming, you know? And, and I know yeah. as I'm sitting here watching the dappled sunlight come through the trees, I'm like, and then there's glory. <laughs> and in amongst right? it all, there's moments of absolute like uncomprehensible beauty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And from a, you from know? a plant medicine perspective, I know something you, you work with Yopo, I think you mentioned when we first chatted that it's, that's one of the areas mm -hmm. that you focus on. There's lots of different ones the rise even in my own group of friends and, and people you wouldn't think. And that's a weird thing to say, because what does that, what does that even mean? <laughs> you know, back to the stereotypes and the visions of, Oh, you work yeah. in the corporate. So you clearly aren't open. That balance between people that live in a very, that are successful and excel in this paradigm of this world we, we live in that maybe isn't as healthy mm -hmm. and isn't leaving people in good place are also the same people I'm seeing questing now going, there's gotta be more. Exactly. And, and COVID exactly. the two years, I wouldn't even call it COVID two years of basically isolation it's put so many yeah. people, I think, at this at this breaking point of like, there's got to be another way. I don't need another therapy session. I don't need another antidepressant. I don't need to go on another two-day retreat. I need to change my connection to the world that I live in, to myself. Yes. And I'm yes. really optimistic. It's making for like just great conversations with some friends I have. Like it, the level of like next level, I was out with a friend the other night who had recently done 5-MEO and I've recently had a very positive experience. And all of a sudden she's like, She's like, do you notice we're speaking a whole different language to each other, like with what we're talking about? And and, and we kind of <laughs> laughed because we've been knowing each other for a long time. And she goes, we've never spoke like this, but yet it feels more natural than we've ever spoken before. And like as as simple as that was, I really took that away. I was like, that's a, like that was I just felt like I'm still on a high from it. And that was like four days ago. <laughs> right. Tyler, I think that's the biggest thing is that. You know, there's a premise that every single human being wants to be seen, heard, and celebrated. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. through authenticity, you know, and I do, I work with lots of people, a lot of people, and a lot of organizations, and you get people coming away going, that didn't feel authentic, or, oh, you know, I felt that, because yeah, we feel I, when I something's truth in our that. bodies, mm -hmm. you know, and, and when I think of our society, what we look as, you know, our, our sensate sensual society what we plug into our bodies what we're looking for the high we're looking for in the past is so different after uh we have an opportunity for sort of some sort of experience psychedelic or ceremonial experience where you're like oh i get it <laughs> yeah you know very profound yeah the, the get it factor being yeah. that you've worked in where do you see this or kind of what's your vision if you look out five years, I don't know, pick a timeline, doesn't matter. The future of the psychedelics and the role they play in our society, because there's obviously the very spiritual side and it feels like there's yeah. so much two camps and the group I know that kind of live in that space. Then I also know some people in Calgary, you, you know, you use ketamine as an example. I know a handful of, of uh, ketamine clinics that have received Health Canada uh, licensing to be able to offer it yeah. in a clinical environment with, you know, the 
proper medical team there because that's obviously how it needs to function in that world. But also they're doing integration. They have psychologists, they have nurses on staff that are very in tune with that, even though they're coming from the medical world. How do you see this kind of playing out? We'll just pick on Canada for right now because there's a lot of stuff happening in Canada that most people like the head of psychedelics research at the UFC recently appointed. Like I didn't see that coming in Calgary. I got to be honest, that kind of shocked me. I thought it was, I've heard about it, but then when they announced it, there's a lot of things happening around that in Canada. So what, what are you seeing and kind of what's your hope or optimism or, or thoughts on how that, how that plays out over the next, you know, whatever foreseeable future? Well, there's, there's a couple of things, you know, there's, there's one, I have to say psychedelics is in its infancy, mm. right? We're going it's, only it's, back. It's 10,000 years old, but yet in its infancy. <laughs> it, it, it's in its infancy within Western culture. 100%, which I still of, think is hilarious. Right? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you know, and- We're treating and it like this new, it. this new discovery. <laughs> right? You know what that's I mean? Fine, that's fine. That's fine. Not to make fun. That's it, fine. <laughs> right? You, you know, and I say that because I laugh because I just think of the lineages that I've been able to- study with and the teachings and what they the knowledge and i'm seeing so i'm like okay how can we bring the wisdom into that work mm. you know and, and so one of the things i worry about i was at a conference out out east um just after i talked to you and uh i think it was after i talked to you yeah i and, think so you were just going it was the the psychedelic yeah. it was in kingston i think it was it was a yeah yeah, yeah 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 and, and so i see the industry and i'm seeing all these people who have no relationship to plant medicine, ceremonial medicine, but they see the sort of dollars behind it. Mm, okay, yeah, back, and back, back they're all the, lined yeah. up, you know, and I'm like, oh, that is frightening. You know, I was in a session where I asked some uh, psilocybin producers, you know, what's your relationship with indigenous people that your territory is on? And the stuff that I heard was disgraceful mm. coming out of their mouths, mm. you know, and, and really uh, reactive and really sort of defensive and, you know, and I'm just like, holy smokes, hmm. hello, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, you don't, like, I just ask a question. And <laughs> and what enough, were, yeah. the response was like, you know, kind of without <laughs> words, you know, just like, no, this is what we're doing. Like this really entitled, wah, 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 wah. and I was like, <laughs> I, you know, but I'm like, dude, you were just witnessed by this whole room by responding in that way. Like, Let's talk about you. You talk about healing for everybody, but you're not free sourcing it, right? Yeah. And and not that I expect people to free source. No, them, I understand, but, but like, I, I know what you mean. There's an inclusiveness, and then there's just the, again the capitalist filter, which right? it, can move, and, and, it does move so, things forward, but it sometimes leaves ex out important exactly. pieces. So I'm worried about how do we have hold space for all of it, hmm. you know? Because there's the underground movement, like especially with the five meo DMT, that's not even on, you know, on the schedule to be uh, legalized yet, you know, uh, for the practitioners mm -hmm. doing that. You know, and then we have things that, that are coming up where they're like, uh, and, and I, this is where I say it's in its infancy where I'm just like, there's all this sexual stuff that's happening because people feel good. And then it's like, mm, mm, mm. and I'm like, whoa, no, 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 no. It's not in this when you're using these. Do you know what I mean? On a, of course. How, how do you hold the ethics? Right. And so ethics, whether it's financial or economical or ethics around um, practices, and I'm like, because people just don't know. They've maybe gone to this global south and done an ayahuasca, a few ayahuasca ceremonies, but they don't, it's not embedded, you know, in their um, way. Well, we're know? still, and we're I still think, filtering it with the culture that we've been raised in exactly, growing up. Exactly, exactly. And, and, that, and, and that's and, very, to be respectful, that's very hard to just, you, can, you don't just turn that off. But the exactly. first step is being aware that it's like in the way yeah. that, that 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 panel yeah. answered your question. If you didn't even catch the fact that you answered that way, that's a gap. If you're like, 
hey, you know, this is where we're coming from. This is where our blind spots are. Like sometimes just being honest, but that's not what we oh, do. We pretend yeah. to have the answers. And when we don't, the people that do yeah. know we don't. Like you're, you can only bluff for so long. <laughs> you, you know, I've talked to two like hmm. industry people who were who came to me and just like, we don't know what we're doing, but how can we do this in the right way? In a good well, and that's way? the right like, question to ask, hallelujah. right? That's the right place to start, right? There. Hallelujah. I don't, I, don't, like I'm like, I don't know. Can right? you help me? What a simple, what a simple yeah. concept. <laughs> right. Which is, and I think humility. So, I'm hoping for humility. And I think about that with the teachers that I've studied with. I think of how they've so generously given to me. You know, I'm responsible to their families now as a, you know, a place of that. So what my hope hmm. is that um, we need, a lot of people need healing really fast. <laughs> right? People in power. I know. The need, the, need, the need is big and, it, and, it, and it's very now. <laughs> you know, and I don't know, but I'm hoping that, you know, how can we do this in an ethical way? that supports solidarity and healing, you know? And so, so my long, my bigger thing is like, how can we help the kids? Like, what can we do for the kids? Cause they're inheriting this mess, you know? No, it's to think, what, it's to think about that from a generational perspective, back to your seven generations, exactly. your seven generations. So if we're at the end of, say we're at the sixth or seventh generation of a series yeah. of like decisions that have taken yeah. us off the path and left us yeah. in a place of disconnected from each other yeah. the world is falling apart we know something's wrong but we just trying to keep fixing it with the same things we use to get us here <laughs> versus you know the, you know, the five-year-old today has an opportunity <laughs> to do something very different <laughs> right you, you know but meanwhile so, I mean, we're giving them all of the same beliefs because that's it's like it's hard not to do that yeah. to pass along so, traumas so, right <laughs> right so the decolonizing piece is like healing our trauma hmm. you know and and, and tyler i say this for people of european descent I'm like, when they did the witch hunts or killing the millions of, of genocide that happened to, you know, all of those traditional teachings, you know, it forever changed our, our, our systems, you know, that we carry on today. And so I asked my teacher, what was it, what's it like with indigenous people coming in for healing and, and you know, European descendants? And he said, well, they have, a, it takes them longer. <laughs> he said, because, and they don't know it, because, because they have, Thousands of, year, thousands of years of trauma that have been passed down. That generational trauma of the epidemiology. Right? And, and we're indigenous and people. At, it at only the goes cellular, back. at the DNA level. Exactly. Right? And we, and, and so, and that gets, takes us all into, we could go and do another whole podcast around DNA and understanding all of that, you know? Which <laughs> but, is so, but, but, but I, it, I like what you said about, that's a very interesting context. You think of in indigenous cultures in the last 100 years or, or 150 yeah. years versus European yeah cultures, wars and traumas and everything that's been going on when you look at European history, that that's a lot more baggage to clean up. <laughs> right? While thinking it's while huge. thinking we're 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 altruistic and awesome. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Exactly. Now, right? now we we've been doing it right all this time. Denial. You dig in. Denial. Right. Right? Denial's a coping mechanism, right? It's a physiological coping mechanism, survival mechanism, right? And it works. You know, you know, so I, I say that with laughter and love, you know. Of course, that's because that's the only way you can embrace it. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because how can we make that shift if we're feeling othered or, or being pointed at, you know? And other than like, wow, that was really, you know, like, like, like I work with people. I do a lot of conflict work. And and because, you know, anytime you bring people together, there's always going to be interesting opinions and ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, think of a family dinner where you're bringing in auntie or uncle or grandma or somebody who's got going to say the thing that, you know, Oh, what are they going to say this year? Oh, right. I have an immediate anchor to that. Like a few different, I met my wife's family and aunt Joan, who I ended up getting along smashingly well. 
the things that she would drop at the at the, the Christmas table or the Easter table, like <laughs> right. she was always a few gins in as well. Like that's another story. Yeah. Her and I ended up right. getting along smashingly well. Uh, I started to realize if I took a little mushrooms before dinner and sat beside her, her and I got along <laughs> so much better. But that again, that's another podcast for another. Right. It, but I watched you know, her you... just do it and blow up the room over and over again. <laughs> right. Sorry, you you brought me back to some fun. What were, what have now become very fond memories. <laughs> Right. You know, you know, there's a medicine in that, right? There's a medicine in the in, in the person who's the disruptor yes. or the trickster. Right. And it's not they're not necessarily fun. But but, you know, how do we reconfigure those relations? How do we lean in rather than they're not safe? I don't like them, you know, and, and yeah, safe. Often with what people, a powerful word you just use. They're not safe. <laughs> right. And, and, and I think about that and I think about, well, you know, you don't have an AK-47 pointed at your head. You know, yeah. and I think of safety and I say that's a broad sweep and I just want to acknowledge that, you know, there are abusers out there and, and that is not safe. But of course, in our conversations, in our work, you know, we can cling on to not like how do we lean into the discomfort? I'm like, we're uncomfortable. Like we don't know how to be vulnerable and speak because we live in a society where vulnerability has been considered a weakness when totally. yeah, we know Absolutely. it's one of our yeah, greatest 100%. strengths. Right. The stiff upper lip, you know, the denial place, like, let's just keep on going, right? Because that's, you know, in the pyramid scheme of things, how do you get to the top? By, you know? by following that, that's, that set of rules for that pyramid scheme. Absolutely. Exactly, right? But the second and, you show and, vulnerability, you immediately ingratiate people to you. A friend of mine, he always says, he goes, you know, we wait till we have trust to be vulnerable. But the second we're vulnerable, we immediately create trust. And it's such a fun paradigm. Mm -hmm. I always try to hold that when I catch myself being a little bit like, wall, we'll just call it wall building. You just like, oh, slowly put a few exactly. bricks in the wall to kind of keep yourself like behind that. Mm -hmm. Exactly, right. You're disconnected. And, and I, You're disconnected from right. them, but they're disconnected from you too. It's such a double-edged, exactly. such a trap. Mm -hmm. You know, and I say to people often, I say to people like, you know, when you find your body is triggered or reacting to somebody because something they said, and then like we hold that in our body, our bodies hold that eventually over time we get really really sick mm, yes <laughs> you know and i've seen that in ceremonies where people have come out and gone oh my god 30 years ago i didn't forgive this person and that's why i've got this cancer you know yeah or and and not, and not that it explains for children or why they have sick but it's just like that intergenerational we have to let go of it's about one thing it's such a bigger conversation right and I do love the role that plant medicines, it, different times, different environments, different practitioners can really help to kind of rewrite Teach. the narrative and let go of things. Yeah. And like all of a sudden, wow, I never like the, the connections that you can come out with sometimes. And I, when my first day five MEO experience, the practitioner said to me after, he goes, you know, just be really aware the next couple of weeks, you're going to have a lot more choices in terms of how you react to things or how you, you show up. And it was amazing. And I love when someone lays that, you know, plants that seed for you. I would catch yeah. myself reacting in a familiar way, which was like offended or, you know, protective yeah. or whatever it might be. Not usually positively, yeah. to be honest. And I'd be like, wait a <laughs> yeah. second. Oh, I don't have to act that way. I can just let it go and react yeah. in this way. But just the consciousness of A versus like, like running your life as a little bit of an A-B experiment. It was amazing how quickly the A just dropped away and the B just started to become the new norm. And it exactly. takes a while to rebuild that groove like, exactly. it, like from a neuroplasticity exactly. perspective. But you can, like, it, it, you know, do, do the work, as they say, put in the work. Mm -hmm. That's the work. And it's the thing is that we have to do the work. Yeah, we have to be willing thing. to commit to the work. Plant medicine, you know? one thing I want to be very clear, and I'm sure you've, it's not a magic pill, but it is an amazing magic doorway yeah. to see things differently. And then you can it's choose. And the power of choice of not being triggered from our old patterns. Oh, God, that's, it's freedom. Yeah. <laughs> 
which is what we right? say we and, all want, right? Yeah, until, exactly. until we get it. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it's, your, true. it's true. Yeah. Right? We, oh, I want freedom. Oh my God. Freedom's pretty scary. Can you, can you put me back in a little bit of a box? But that's okay. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think also it is, it's, it's not a one and done either. Is it like, and that's another thing. I did it. I'm did it. And now I'm good. No. Well, no, being, oh, being human God. is a, no, is a, is a me- I, being human is messy and it's a journey. <laughs> it's beautiful, right? I'm 22 years into plant <laughs> medicine, Sarah, uh, like, path and I, I thought I was only gonna do it for a couple of years and then I'm just like oh this is oh, a lifetime commitment of through my work you know of it's beautiful tell me tell me a little bit if we can just about 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 Yopo I I didn't I'd heard about it very obscurely didn't know anything about it you referenced it when we chatted of course I went and read a few Wikipedia pages or whatever I found online but maybe just share a little bit about that specific for my audience like my audience knows if they're listening that I usually, well, I like to expose people to new things and new ideas, and then hopefully they're curious, they can go mm-hmm. check it out on their own. But give us a little bit of, you know, what, what is it? How does it fit in maybe to the mix? Why has it been the one that's really landed? Clearly, it sounds like it landed for you and really resonated and has become part of your practice of helping, of helping people. So maybe <laughs> give us a little bit of a story around it. Uh, well, I was hitchhiking. I always say that. Um, <laughs> Yopo is a plant medicine. It's a good way to start a story. Yeah, I, I, right? Yeah, yeah. It, and Yopo is, is um, blows away your ego okay. and takes you to the places where it doesn't, where you, maybe you don't, the places that you can't see. It's kind of like having these things just kind of out, out of your sight, but you know that they're there. Yopo allows you to see that and do some pretty fantastic healing it comes from it has 5-MeO DMT in it naturally occurring Um, it comes from um, it's a mixture of medicines and it comes from um, it was used all over because when I see in the West Indies the plants grow there Um, but it comes currently who uses it that I know of are the Amanari and the Piare um, in Venezuela and the Yamanari, most people know, they've seen it, it's a snuff, and they've seen okay. it blown up other people's noses from the Yamanari people. I don't know, I, forgive me, I might be mispronouncing their names. And um, they do it that way. And the Piyare people utilize it differently by, it's a snuff, and and they sniff it, and it's instant, and it doesn't last as long, and it's intense, an hour and a half, probably about an hour and a half of a journey that is like up to three years of therapy. A friend of mine who did it three years ago, she said to me, I'm ready to do oh, wow. my okay. next ceremony. Yeah. She goes, I think I've integrated the teachings as things, you know, come forward. Um, so it's it's very not pleasant, but it, it sort of is a, a plant, a sacred plant medicine that you definitely would never get addicted to. <laughs> I giggle at that because I'm just like, yeah, it's it's definitely not that. No, what sounds very um, similar, um, 5-MeO, for me, I've had amazing mm-hmm. enlightening experiences, but I've certainly had experiences where it was difficult. It was like almost like a sparring match with myself, with my own ego. Like I, I don't even barely have words to describe it. And, you know, that was two months ago and I'm still working at Like there is no desire to do and do it again because I'm still in the middle of what I what I, what I, what I went through last time in terms of learnings ongoing. And every day I'll listen to something, hear something, and I'll have a little like, Oh, huh. So that actually connects to that. Like I do appreciate the ongoing nature of it and the level of quote unquote intensity. However you, you know, however you describe that for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so what I've seen in it is like, 
Although coming out of it, you may not remember everything that happened because so much happens over, <laughs> as, as you just described, over the months, over the years. It's like, oh, that's what that was. And even though you don't have a distinct, but you're, it's an embodied sort of sense of like understanding of the things you're letting go of mm-hmm. and shifting. And not everybody shifts it because, you know, you can go to have a, I, I said to a friend of mine, you know, yeah, you can go to Disneyland and have a really amazing time and all the rides. You're like, that's so amazing. But then you go back to your daily life and not that Yopo is like <laughs> that's a, that's Yopo, a very great and I'm not say, suggesting that's a bad sort of analogy because Yopo is not like going to Disneyland at all or plant medicines aren't like going to that. But, you know, there's a moment. Um, I saw a quote once where they said, you know, in Western society, you use alcohol to feel good. But then after you feel so bad. Mm-hmm. you know yeah. and then with these plant medicines you feel terrible but then after you feel such relief it is and amazing and not and not always i want to just my own caveat they're not it's not always that rough you can do a very light dose and have an experience but there is a level of intensity and you yeah you, you kind of pay it forward like you, you do the work and then like the hangover is actually usually quite enlightening and, and quite elevating versus alcohol which is the complete opposite experience right it's yeah very interesting right. I, I, I put them in such different categories of, of substances i don't even i have trouble even comparing them once you're exposed to one the other one seems like as anyways it, it, it plays a very different exactly. role in your life mm-hmm. yeah yeah a shamanic it, I, alcohol I, experience I, I don't really see those two things going together in the same way as i certainly have had with plant medicine mm-hmm. And with Yopo, do you see, is that something, is it growing more or is it very, because no. there's like 5-MEO is very niche. Like, you, you know, ayahuasca seems yeah. to be over the last 10 years become very popular and quote unquote a little yeah, trendy and very yeah. monetized. Like you made that comment like, oh, $7,000 and come and spend five days. Like there's a barrier to entry and it's very much attracting, I think, a, a certain socioeconomic, just sheer dollars and cents. Exactly. Exactly. Um, definitely. I don't know. I know a handful of practitioners with Yopo okay. out, outside of the territory mm-hmm. because it, and I've seen other people cause you can buy Yopo seeds at a head shop, but people don't understand the ceremonial aspect direct from the culture. Well, that's I, back to the drugs versus ceremony. I think. Just, yeah, exactly. Just oversimplify those two buckets. Exactly. And, and I have the benefit of studying with a teacher that has, um, not all with Yopo, probably 30 years with Yopo and 52 years with plant medicines. Oh, wow. You know, um, and, and ceremonial work that has been, I didn't know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I kind of walked into like the five-star place and I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is like, and then I've been other places. I'm like, oh, I am so lucky that I've learned from that person, but just because of the, the integrity, the level of integrity in, of, of what that means once we go into ceremony, what that is held and what the possibility is. I think I remember uh, another teacher said, you know, your teachings will only, your learning will only go as far as the ceiling that the teacher can hold. And so with the teacher that I've been with, like he opens it up and I, you know, I get to sail out to the universe and get teachings, (laughs) which is like, (laughs) that's another conversation. But, you know, or is it like, Right. You know, you know, and it's like deep sea diving or are you playing at the shore? And a lot of people come into the medicines and mm-hmm. play at the shore. There's nothing wrong yeah, with that. Everyone has, is entitled to have their own journey. Get their 100%. toes wet and it's fun. Yes. It's yeah. great. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 but there's so much to be discovered. Um, 
and not in a place of like people are like, yeah, but then you're no, it's not about doing medicine all the time or that because it's like what action. Yeah, it's not about escape. It's it's not about escape. The lessons that we're learning in there. Those types of things in our lives. You know, getting access to no, like access to self, access to, and then and then understanding what to do with it. And I, you know, I've often you know chatted these conversations like the integration piece is so critical and so important of having a guide or having someone to work with on top of the experience so it doesn't become i spent a day at disneyland and now i'm back to my normal life back to just play up play off that metaphor a little bit exactly 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 you know and i think there's something about that it's not somebody i mean i, I say the medicines that can be a destroyer of our egos our egos are healthy but it's like it keeps it in check, you know, and especially some of the stories that we carried and just to see what an illusion they were. Like I did another plant medicine one time and journeyed for 22 hours and and I oh, kind of saw my sounds, life sounds on like screens, a bogus, but, but, my whole life. Yeah. And I saw every time I'd either done something. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah I, and it, it, I've had, I've had it the movie, sounds like the a bogus, but it's not. You know, it's another plant medicine. It's quite, quite <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, and I just laughed and laughed at all these things that offended me or things that I thought were, you know, and I just like, and I remember thinking, oh my God, we are so made up of these stories, who we are and how we carry so them. A, a very well-constructed illusion. I like what you said about ego and it's so easy. Ego gets a bad rap. And I think like everything in our life, you need to understand it. You need to have a relationship to it. I think yeah. it can be a really support. It can keep you safe in a lot of cases, but also understand where it's holding you back or where it's telling you a story that this no longer serves yeah. you anymore. It's an old story from, you know, when's the last time you asked a six-year-old for advice? Probably every day because exactly. there's some belief in there that got established at a point in your life when your perspective was and you needed it and it no longer serves you, hint, because you're 40 years later or whatever the case may be. You touched on something that I think is powerful that I want to exactly. like the difference of recreational drugs <laughs> right. kind of going out in a social environment and kind of going outward and being the life of the party or whatever the case may be versus going inward and how important I certainly have seen. And people ask me, oh, would you do that on your own? I'm like, I would never do it on my own because the value that the guide, the shaman, the the sitter, like yeah. however there's so many words for it, but the value of that individual for your experience or multiple individuals I think is critical. I'm certainly hearing that kind of come out in the way you're talking as well. Yeah. It's, it's essential for, um, on people's journey to oh, be held the container. in that There's way. There's a lot of power to that. And to be witnessed. There's something about when we go into ceremony or when I witness people in ceremony going into such deep, vulnerable hmm. places to be held, right? And, and, and I don't mean physically, I just mean to be held. And, and that to me is so important, um, mm -hmm. uh, for safety reasons, lots of different safety, physical reasons, safety, psychological, just safety, in regards safety, to like all the safeties. Absolutely. Ralph, <laughs> yes. You know? Yeah. Set, I like that. I like the additional of set setting and, safety. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I hear from the Western thing and I'm like, that is so funny. You, you know, they say that, and like that is so funny. We like formulas here in Western, our Western but, culture, Kim. We you know, like so a, we, we like an operations right? manual, don't we? <laughs> exactly. It's it's so true, right? Yeah. I'm like, what did you just say? You know, I, I was with somebody in a ceremony, and they were reading from their books. I'm like, no, no that's shit. that's okay. No, this is a very real podcast. You can swear. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, wearing, but I'm like, why are they? Why are they reading? I don't feel safe now. You know, I'm like. Oh, when you're so facilitating, you yeah, yeah. So let me turn to page seventy-two, and you know, you I guess she was, and it was okay. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't answer. Well, it implies not being present. You know, implies to um, <laughs> and I giggle at that. Of course, I'm safe. You know, I'm safe, and and I think my own relationship, and I think this is important too, mm, our yeah. our personal relationship with the different medicines. I mean, some people uh, like drinking coffee, some people like drinking tea, right? Yeah. And there's so many different types of medicines that are out there, and and learning that relationship with the plant medicines is important. You know, I start people off with tobacco. And not the stuck kind that you oh, buy. In the okay, store, I've, I've done some readings about that being tobacco. part of, like a, a real integral you know, part of, and, of certain ceremonies and, and certain cultures for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and oh, tobacco is probably the number one plant. And again, it, we have such a when you hear tobacco, you, know? you think immediately the and, world and, of what and yet we don't with tobacco, which is big for big tobacco and. Yeah, no, that's a really good, good Exactly, yeah. and that's not tobacco. Again, look at me and my story. Look at like I brought a story right. to the word tobacco you know, immediately as soon like as you a, said it. <laughs> Right, you know, and and we've become that disconnected, right, from that, and and or what it's turned into this sort of Frankenstein existence of tobacco, you know, and um, and so I think about those things about like what is your relationship and learning to have an authentic as we do as human beings, what is our authentic relationship with each other, mm. but with the with the medicines, and for me that's how. You know, my teacher's like, you develop your relationship with that medicine because, you know, maybe that's not the medicine you're supposed to work with. And maybe, you know, and then when you develop that, like, what does that mean? And, you know, like, I'm like, well, it's kind of like surfing. Like, you eventually, you have to, in order to you, learn yes, to you do. surf, that's a, you got to, you know, get thrown down a bunch of times before you... And you never, you never beat it. You never you win at it. You get up a relationship on a, to you know, it. On a wave. <laughs> You're going to go out and conquer oh, the God, surf. No. You're going to get trashed. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. Right. So plant medicines can no, be like that. No, they don't. No, they don't care. <laughs> right? You know, they don't, they're like, you're a good, you're a good boy. You're a bad boy. The plants don't work like that. You know, they just sort of expose, I mean, back to the whole thing is that yes, they're the power of universal when you approach those right? situations. And I've, I've had some lessons learned about being maybe loose and literally like realizing how literal my intention was taken and how I didn't do it with love and grace. And I didn't give myself peace and kindness. And I went in with a little bit of a, let's do it. And wow, did I get done? Yeah, absolutely. I, so I got trashed to the bottom of the ocean and churned a couple cycles of waves before I got to take a breath. <laughs> I, I know that metaphor works for me when you're like, okay, I'm going to get some air and know that next wave exactly, comes and drops right? back down. You don't die, but man, there's a moment where you're like, whoa, okay. I underestimated it's- this whole situation. <laughs> I like the surf. I like the. So I like the surfing. Yeah, ragdolled against the. Uh, but you, you get washed ashore, and you get up, and you and you immediately go, "Whoa, this is an opportunity to change my relationship with the world around me." Right there, and those moments are raw, and you and if you don't, if you forget <laughs> them, well, you'll get to repeat it. That's for sure. You know. Right, you know, and so there's a level, and I, I think my teacher said that about psychedelics. You know, because he's traditional plant person. And uh, his name's Edmund Faubert, and he said, Kim, hmm. uh, he said, humility, you know? And I'm like, ooh, there's not a, that's what I see. It's like, how do we bring humility into the world that we live in, inhabit? You know, I see some practitioners where I'm like, wow, they're so just gracious in yeah, that well, way because yes, it's not about much. them. I see people get, who develop the, the God the guru, complex the guru I'm serving complex, medicine. Yeah. And you're having these, mm-hmm. like, be aware when you're looking for a practitioner be aware because I see some of the price points, you know, of people who, 
you know, maybe are six years into their practice and, you know, doing serving and making, I've seen people on the, on, um, on the circuit. And I'm just like, wow, like you're still the baby beginner and you're like, <laughs> and people are looking up to you and you're like, oh, I'm so great. I do this, but you know, and all of these sort of things. Where and I'm that's just like, so, that is the, that is also very much dangerous. the risk of a kind of a supply and demand you know? environment. And you see it happen with almost anything that, you know, it's that amazing surf location exactly. around the world and all of a sudden everyone discovers it and oh, now it's ruined. <laughs> like it's almost that, like just to keep pulling that metaphor forward. But I do see that as a bit yeah. of a risk and you're right. Like I've been very fortunate to meet a professional right. here that does it, I believe, 100% for the right reasons and cost-wise and approachability and the container that he creates and, and his partner create for it. But then I hear other people coming from other jurisdictions and saying, well, oh, I was exposed to it here and it cost 10 times what you did and it wasn't, and I didn't get this, but yet this person says that they're, you know, calling themselves run around, calling themselves a shaman. It's like it's the word, it's the guru of the spiritual world that we're that word shaman, which is like you got to earn that over over a lifetime, not over a weekend course <laughs> in, the, in in Costa Rica. <laughs> but, yeah. Right, right. You, you know, and yeah. and so and that's where the West, where I'm just like, holy smokes, you know, I see it all the time. You know, 22 years in, I'm like, I'm still a student, man. You know, you know, like I'm not. I have no relationship to saying I'm more than that, you know? And I see people, I mean, my teacher doesn't call himself that either, and he's got 52 years experience. Fortunately, I love that, and it's maybe not necessarily the paradigm or medicine that, is, man. that exists in the world, in our Western culture, back to just picking on the West for a little bit. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, well, for sure, right? And I think, you know, you know there's all these things, but I mean... I'm like mm. practitioner integrity, right? Integrity and 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 I think even within medicine societies or things that I see, it's like humans mm. we don't know how to deal with power. You know, it corrupts us. You know, whether it's financial or or beauty type of power or lots of things or maybe muscles, I don't know. Um, but I think of ego with political power or social power and how it can, it's a, how do we hold it graciously? You know, how do we hold ceremonial when we access these other realms? One. How do we hold that with integrity? You know, so that we're not, it doesn't become about us it, because it's never about us. It's about these medicines. We're just holders of these, luckily enough to be behold, holders, not beholders, holders of these phenomenal tools, you know, to have access to sort of, that's the decolonization process is really is, is for me is like, mm -hmm. is, is medicines so that we can do that healing work to let go of some of the stories and the things that separate us, you know, the things that stop us from our embodied way of our natural selves of, of being connected. You know, we don't learn about, I think of this, I work with a woman in Calgary named Dr. Beth Hedva. She's phenomenal. Just saying. Um, and you know, she talks about through a sort of a Western psychological worldview, but also through a transpersonal. So in her place of the other subtler realms, you know, of of how uh, and I think of the two old men that said that, you know, can't you hear the plants sing? And I was like, we have no. a soul phone. But we all have a soul phone. We know like, you know, when your kids are sick, we do intuition, your gut, right? however you want to call it, but yeah. you know, and, and you could right. Ex you know, there's, we hear things or we see visions or we feel things in our body. Like there's all sorts of ways 
that we synthesize no, we're information. Not we're taught to just we're not suppress taught about it that. You know, that we're not taught. Think, five, there's five senses. Okay, well, there's a sixth sense. Well, there's more than six senses, you know. And, and plant medicines kind of tune us into something a bit more than that, I hope. You know, and the only way we can really get into that is when we do our healing work because our itty-bitty shitty committee, right, the shame, blame, guilt, fear part of our brain or survival part of our brain or whatever it is, you know, gets into this caught into stories. The itty-bitty you know, shitty this is, committee. This is the way it is, right? Yeah, I could talk so to you all day. You got, Just what I think. You're not going right? to come up with another nugget. Boom, you know? there it is on the table. I appreciate though, and for you, this has been a, a lifetime journey. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you the comment of like, I still consider myself a student, and what what a, that in it, the humility that exists in even making a statement like that. Uh, it actually to not make it, it it is the most selfish statement to make because it actually leaves you the most open for learning. So it's kind of a reverse psychology around like to call yourself humble is actually selfish in a way because the more humble you are, the more you get to learn and absorb and take in from the people around you. And you'll call it being curious. You, you know, you can't fill the cup that's already full kind of mindset. Right. Oh, geez, I know. I know. First thing I learned about doing podcasting, I'm never going to know more than my <laughs> guest ever. So just be curious and ask them questions. I think that was my secret to becoming a podcast host. <laughs> the second you think you know more, you're done. You're finished. It's over. <laughs> just hang up. That's awesome. Uh, Kim, amazing exactly. chatting with you. I've taken up, I've taken right. up a lot of your day already <laughs> you uh, while you're sitting on. We had to turn our cameras off to kind of save our... Uh, to save our bandwidth here, but I'm still envisioning you with the, the light glistening in on, on, onto your skin as you're sitting there in this beautiful uh, Galliano Island, which I've never been to, but after seeing you there today, I'm inspired to get in my car and drive there today. Um, yes, very beautiful. I always usually make it out there Gulf in the fall. Islands. It's a spiritual. I grew up in Eastern Canada in Montreal, Quebec area, which is very beautiful, but the West Coast has an energy to it, has a, has a vibe to it that it's hard to. Oh, Most beautiful. of my guests will probably have been there if you haven't. It's there's something spiritual when you get there that just it does it does pick you up. It's an interesting vibe there, no question. Mm. Um, Kim, thank you so much. If someone wants to learn more Amazing. about you, uh, maybe attend Amazing. or listen to a talk that you're doing, or I know you do a lot of things. Any anything that you've got coming up, or in the, this will probably air in the next few, in the next month or so. So anything coming up in the fall or, or over the next year that you want to throw out there for people if they're curious to learn more. Um, there's sisters and psychedelics in September 10th that nice. I'm just a like part of, like, I'm just, these are things that I'm going to, um, I'm hosting, I'm facilitating a conference. It's already full at Hollyhock in a okay. few weeks for the Canadian psychedelic association, which is really that. cool that we're some, kind of centering indigenous voices first. I'm mm -hmm. really excited about that, you know, and and uh, I constantly get asked to do the, lots the, of the universe is like, the universe is listening. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I love that my mom was like, "Yeah, I love that my mom's like, a, what you do know you what? do?" I'm you like, to make it easy I'm a for teacher, mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be, and be kind to them on their journey and where they're at. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know. And she's like, right? And she's like, "Oh, that's good," you know. And and I'm like, "Yeah, it's good," you know. And and um, yeah, I don't. I I just all you have to yeah, do is yeah you can't you you are definitely on Google I, I or whatever I was Google, googling you yesterday Google, getting ready Google for the me. show and uh, yeah there's lots of references and things you're involved in and things that you've been doing so I almost feel silly now offering how do you get a hold of you everyone knows how to get a hold of everybody these days we don't live in that world anymore if you want to find somebody you can find them it's not that hard. <laughs>
Kim, it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Exactly. Good to get to know you. Give me so many exactly. little nuggets. Like my brain is spinning 100 miles an hour as it, as, it, as it does usually after these episodes. But that was a lovely conversation. Thanks for Thank you for the time. And I look forward to... We, we had like three or four other episodes that we could have just started doing today while we were chatting. So I, I, I will boldly say I look forward to chatting with you again. <laughs>